Hi guys, Paul from the Innovation Community here. Today I'm with Sami Udin Ahmed, who's from Telenor, Sweden. Uh, he's worked globally for Telenor for many years and is focusing on the analytics and AI function. Great to have you with us. Thanks for having me here, Paul. So just to start with, I mentioned that you've been working for Telenor globally. Just tell me a bit about yourself in a few words. Right. So uh, I'm currently working as uh, head of analytics and AI uh, at Telenor Sweden, which is one of our operating companies here. Uh, I moved here with my family one and a half years ago, but overall with uh, Telenor, it's been uh, a little over 16 years now. So I've uh, previously worked in, in Pakistan, uh, in Thailand, both in operating companies as well as in some group functions. Uh, I have a tech background. Uh, I have spent my most of career in analytics field uh, but then uh, I've also been part of uh, various business teams. So it's a combination of technical and business teams that I, uh, that I lead. And uh, very recently, I've also completed my executive MBA from IMD Business School in Switzerland. So that's pretty much uh, about my profile. It sounds like you've, you've done a lot in the last, uh, last few years or so. What's your favorite country that you've lived in and, and why is that? Um, it's a bit hard to pick, but I would say uh, probably Thailand uh, because of, uh, I think, yeah, it, it's, it's vibrance. Uh, it, it is a happening place. Um, the weather is great. Uh, and I think there's just a lot of things you can do there. So probably I would pick Thailand. Yeah, with, uh, with the UK right now, it's usually rainy weather. And now that everyone's quarantined, it's now super sunny and clear skies. So uh, that's, that's typical English weather for you. Yeah, it's even a uh, bigger test for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned that you've been working for Telenor for, for some time now. Where did your career in data really start? It, it sounds like it was a tech role and then it's kind of expanded in, to incorporate business as well. Is that, is that right? Uh, that's true. But, uh, but the data uh, career actually started uh, even before that, when I was part of, uh, uh, of one of the largest uh, analytics company called Teradata. And I was working as a global consulting uh, consultant. Uh, I started with uh, uh, one of our clients in Ireland. This was one of the biggest uh, bank there uh, where we started working on their analytics solutions. That's the starting point, I would say, of my data career. And then I worked on various industries in retail and uh, manufacturing, eventually leading, leading into telecom. And what really interests you about working in this space? Obviously, it must do because you've been doing it for so many years. Yeah, it does. It does, certainly. I think uh, the, the ability that when you work with the data, it opens up almost, I would say, limit, limitless opportunities to bring innovation. When you look at the data, you see how do we do things differently? Uh, what does our customers really need? Uh, what are the problems to be solved? And then every time you, you are doing things, you can do things differently in a different dimension. Uh, that helps us in content, continuously innovating and improving the way we are. So it never uh, actually lets your job getting bored uh, or you, you feel that you're doing the same thing. It's always something new that you can do when you are actually working with data. Uh, that's what I, I really love about this domain. And what are some of the major successes that you've achieved throughout this time? I would say... Uh, I, w I would like to share a couple of uh, examples uh, and stories here. I think in one of the, my previous companies where I was working on, uh, we ran a whole transformation project 
uh, where we brought in the concept of uh, marketing automation uh, and moving from uh, really old style batch based uh, customer engagement and communication to uh, a, re a more real time, always on kind of a campaigns, uh, being able uh, to drive much higher customer engagement and conversions that results into higher revenues, uh, reduced churn. And the, the, the way we executed that, I think uh, that's uh, one of the bigger successes. Uh, it involved a lot of change management, not only just on the technology side, but also people, process, uh, all of that. And then uh, here in Sweden, I would say we have uh, gone through a whole agile transformation, uh, not only again on IT, but the way we do, we run marketing uh, and, and we go, we, our go-to-market and our ability to just being able to get from idea to execution in, in a matter of days uh, is just phenomenal. I would say that's, uh, that's one of the key successes also. And specifically looking at the, the role you're in now, uh, we, we mentioned before about uh, when we spoke that a lot of what you do is on roadmaps and strategies surrounding AI change and data. Two questions in one, how do companies set up their data strategies and analytics roadmaps and how should they be doing it? Right. So uh, what I have seen uh, based on my experience so far, uh, I mean, there, there is no silver bullet of setting up your data strategies uh, and, and your plans of going about it. But most of the time what companies does is they build uh, the whole plan around tech uh, and how the technology is gonna transform uh, the way of work and it's gonna make your companies data driven. But what I have seen is that hardly works. Of course, you need technology, it's an enabler to achieve something, but as as long as you are, you, you don't actually have a view on what, problem are you solving? What would this technology do? And then link it with, with the bigger picture, with the purpose. Uh, uh, you, you, the, the chances of becoming successful uh, are actually very minimal. I think the way companies should do it is first identify, the, this is the problem that I'm going to solve. Uh, this is how it's linked with my overall uh, business strategy, company strategy, uh, the problems that I'm trying to solve, and then work backwards on the technology part. That helps us in number one, being more agile, uh, run the small tests, whether uh, that is actually going to solve the problem or not. And then we scale up rather than having a big bang tech project approach. Also, what I have seen is uh, we, we have practiced at Intellino that uh, the whole analytic, data analytics uh, AI function is part of uh, the marketing and the business side, including the tech part. So it makes it much more easier to make it business driven technology rather than a technology-driven transformation on its own. Yeah, I think that especially from my experience working with senior leaders, people tend to uh, look at that tech. I like the way you phrase it, a silver bullet. Uh, the, the way that you seem to approach it is is much more long-lasting. It doesn't make for, you know, makes for breaking down silos, I think is a really key part of that. Uh, when people get get siloed into what, their own way of working, uh, and technology isn't going to change that. It might change it for one business unit. It might change it for one you know, segment of the business, one country, but it's not going to create overall uh, positive change as well. What are some exactly. of the common pitfalls that people fall into when they're driving change with AI? I think uh, missing out on the culture part, uh, rallying around the change, making sure that people understand uh, what's in it for them. 
uh, and then being able to actively engage all the stakeholders and analyzing how their life is going to change, uh, the things that they do normally, how will AI help them in doing it better, faster, or just basically in a more effective and efficient way. Uh, I think that's one part. And then the other is that it's, uh, like I was saying, it's it's very easy to get kind of uh, carried away uh, by by the tech itself and saying that, you know, when we implement this technology, it will drive something. Uh, and then we miss out the bigger picture. So these two engagement, uh, both making sure that you are covering the culture aspect, you are engaging your stakeholders, as well as you are having a tech that is driven by a purpose, a, a real business need uh, is essential to set up these strategies. Mm. Interesting stuff. Now, you mentioned the word transformation quite a lot. I don't think that's a bad thing, by the way. There's so many nuances to transformation, business transformation, tech transformation, agile. Uh, tell me about a time that you affected change in a major organization and what were the challenges that came with that? Yeah. Um, I can again refer to, uh, to, to the, one of the past experiences where we brought in that marketing automation uh, transformation that has not only just changed people's way of work, but that has actually changed the way we look at uh, customer lifecycle management. Uh, how do we drive, drive higher value from engaging customers proactively? Uh, that could be a one good case to, to see uh, what the challenge is. Again, I think the first thing uh, we need to understand, uh, the, the biggest challenge we had was the, res the, the resistance from people because they were uh, actually, uh, they, were, they were in the habit of running campaigns manually. They were large part of the teams uh, that were day in, day out running those campaigns, reaching out to their customers, getting their feedback manually processed, and then moving to the campaign next day. So the whole uh, job runs around how do we engage customers now from that to imagine a world where all of this is being uh, managed automatically by an AI engine reaching out to the customers kind of and always on campaigns uh, uh, seeing what the customers are uh, how the customers are reacting to our offers and communication and then being able to adjust and tweak on our own actually uh, changes the way we look at the customers uh, from a work-wise, but then also, for instance, how do we define success of a campaign? How do we look at, how do we uh, do A-B testing? How do we uh, set, uh, uh, set control groups uh, to measure the success completely changes there? So I think uh, we had challenges on multiple fronts. Uh, we had challenges in, in basically um, taking people along and making them believe that the new process will certainly change the way they are work, but it will bring enrichment in the job. So rather than focusing on uh, running those systems manually and technically, they can actually focus on more business aspects of whether we are, that is resulting into gains, into benefits or not. That's number one. Number two is uh, it's much easier to then link all the activities uh, uh, to, to business gains, whether it's moving the needle or not. And then I am not really undermining the technology challenges that comes as part of it. Uh, at times, the technologies are not mature enough. Uh, you see many things, many claims uh, when you are talking to different vendors and uh, you're going through uh, the tech, tech reviews or RFQs. 
when you implement them, then you actually see uh, the on-ground realities and the challenges. And it's not also about one tech. When you talk about large enterprises, that tech has to work in an ecosystem where some of the platforms are legacy, some of the platforms are the new ones that you have recently procured. And how do you make all of those tech platforms work together is another dimension of a large challenge on its own. So a program of that scale needs to take care of both people, process, and technology part, uh, I would say. Hmm. It's, it's, it's a great point. And I think that once you have the business problem, uh, as you just as you said earlier, that that's, that's the time for the technology. And even then, the technology has to deliver. I mean, let's take a business problem. Like I need more customer data visualization. How are you currently leveraging technology to your advantage? Um, what effects do you think it will have on the landscape over the next few years? Right. So I think the first step we do is uh, really to understand what is the problem. So how, uh, so, and then uh, what are the underlying drivers? Are we able to build some hypothesis around that? So for example, uh, let's say we, uh, we want more customer footfall or let's say we want more customer visitors on our website. Uh, what are the underlying drivers why customers are not attracted on our website? Uh, is it is it because the presence is not uh, good? Is it because we are we are not showing up in the search results? Is it because uh, we are not reaching out on the social media? Etc. So we set certain hypotheses, and the reason, in my view, we call this data science is because just like in in your regular physical science, we are able to set experiments that results into a view that if I do this, this happens. Similarly, in the data, when we set the hypothesis then we are able to set dependent independent variables that leads to cause and effect. People are not doing this because of this thing. And then uh, again, referring to the agile way of work, what we, uh, the next step what we do is, when uh, to, to test the hypothesis, we pick up a small set of customers, we run that test, and if the hypothesis is, uh, is successful, then we scale it up. That is the fundamental at the, uh, at, at the heart and the center of how we can implement a data-driven approach for solving specific customer problems. And I think people will latch on to those, those projects that don't work out so well and point to that as an example of why this, this approach shouldn't work. But I think actually that's a, that's a lot of the learning where a lot of the learning comes from. Okay, this, this one didn't work. We're not going to scale that up. This one had some successes. Let's tweak it and then let's... let's, let's um, Let's try again. Uh, so I think, yeah, exactly. a really good approach that you have as well. Regarding transformation, what was the, what, what's the one case study you point to where you think you made the biggest impact? Uh, I would say uh, when we were designing our uh, analytics transformation in, in Sweden, uh, what we uh, were again, uh, again able to, to do here uh, and the way and, and how I uh, had an impact on the overall strategy again is uh, being able to see what are the components of that transformation, how that transformation is going to uh, impact the overall organization and then engaging with the top management, uh, not only in Sweden, but with the group as well uh, and discussing why should we have this transformation? What are their challenges for that? Uh, it was important for me to understand at a bigger, broader level, what are our top business goals? How does data analytics and being able to drive a data-driven culture in the company helps that problem? And then come up with a, a set of 
activities and initiatives that forms part of our analytics transformation that one by one started to help and uh, created an impact in solving the problems that we had. Mm. And as a strategic leader, you probably have a number of team members dotted all over the all over the globe. What, how, how would you describe your leadership style in working with those leaders? I would say uh, that what's important for leader, uh, at least the way I uh, most of the time try to operate, what we call is uh, a tight, loose, tight setup, where we say that you need to be very tight and crisp in setting the vision. Uh, why we are doing this, what's in it for us, uh, and how this will create an impact. There we try to have those impact maps uh, that links together output, outcome, and then impact together. So everybody sees what's the vision, why we are doing it, and what's in it for them. That's the first tight. Then uh, it gets into execution, uh, and that's where we say we keep it loose where how do they do, how teams achieve certain things that are related to the vision uh, that are linked with it. And when they understand the, the impact is up to the teams. But with that empowerment, it's extremely important that we have the third step, which we call as, again, tight, which is uh, the accountability uh, and, and having very clear, crisp KPIs uh, where people are answerable to what they are doing. So understanding the vision, very tight, crisp, why we are doing it, and linked with the follow-ups uh, and uh, KPI measurement, a very strong performance management. In between, it's up to people how they execute uh, and they, they, are, they, they, they are responsible for generating the impact. I would say um, my leadership style is based on more empowerment, but making sure accountability stays there. Mm. And does that work up the chain as well when you're engaging and trying to communicate the data strategy with senior leadership? I think that is at the heart of our whole agile transformation. It works at all the levels. So that's, uh, that's how my line managers, the top management of the company, uh, the group uh, actually operates. Uh, uh, and, and, and if they don't, if we don't do it in, at any of those levels, I think then the whole agile breaks up. And is it executed well at all levels, do you think? I think we have uh, improved a lot in the last one and a half year uh, since we have uh, rolled out this strategy or, or this way of work. Uh, it's, a, it's a continuous journey. So it might never be that, you know, we say that now we are uh, at the top and uh, we are the best in this. It's, it's a continuous improvement. We have improved a lot, but then it's still a long way to go. Do you think that that's the biggest opportunity for improvement within Telenor right now? I think so, uh, because so far what we have done is uh, we have uh, transformed a large portion of organization on analytics, uh, sorry, uh, on, uh, on digital transformation, which we, uh, and agile transformation uh, under what we call as a consumer business and the whole IT. There is an opportunity to expand that uh, and, and we are actually working on that. And how do we actually make the whole Telenor uh, agile and work on this principle. Mm. That's uh, that's uh, a good approach to have, I think. For you personally, we've mentioned a lot of the successes. What do you think was the biggest mistake you made during your career? I would say probably quite a few. Uh, it's, it's it's not just one, uh, and um, I, I think uh, those have been the biggest sources of learning as well. 
uh, and it ranges from you know tech and more from change management leadership perspective i think the biggest one is again uh, in, in one of my previous companies uh, where we were running and uh, a transformation uh, and it was actually a turnaround of the whole situation of, from a tech perspective more uh, and we i think we we were uh, we, we were we got again carried away by by tech in a way uh, and we launched products which were uh, not ready at that time and that resulted in immediate uh, i would say uh, loss of trust from the stakeholders on this uh, on, on the whole transformation the systems weren't working the promises that we made uh, weren't really actually uh, delivering the value uh, and and we actually got up into into a lot of problems but then over time what we did is that we took a step back uh, and, and and we took our time to fix those problems uh, one by one and then started our journey there so reflecting back i think instead of launching that transformation project uh, i would say in in bit of a pressured against time we should have uh, earned, uh, we should have taken more time to do it properly and launch right that's uh, that's uh, i think the biggest one i would say mm. well it sounds like you learned from that and that's that's always the the main point right a uh, big question that's exactly. coming up in the community for us right now is the impact of, of covid-19 what are your general thoughts on that i think uh, it's a it's a big one uh, we should not actually uh, consider it uh, it's small in, in any aspects of it it has, uh, of course, impacted uh, people's lives, uh, both in terms of, uh, let's say, uh, the health, but then also professionally across the globe. It is uh, impacting the economies already, uh, and it will continue to impact uh, global economies uh, at that scale. It, so my thoughts are that it, uh, it is going to change uh, many things the way we do in, in, world, in this world. And how has it affected your day-to-day -day role? I think in uh, from from our perspective, uh, what we have seen is people have started to use more and more of data services. Uh, even not only just data, they have started to make more for uh, voice calls. Uh, so we have uh, seen we are seeing more usage, and then uh, but then at the same time we we are seeing much lesser uh, international roaming, both inbound in in countries and then outbound. So uh, then on the other hand, uh, there's a much less footfall on the stores uh, up to in, in Sweden, up to 25 to 30% uh, lesser than, than usual days. So it is impacting in, in, in many ways. Yeah, regardless of who we speak to, it's, it's impacting everyone as individuals also, as, as you mentioned, in, in organizational terms as well. Uh, exactly. What's your top working from home tip? I would say, uh, at least from my personal experience, two things. One is that uh, the, the, the formal meetings uh, and, and our day-to-day check-ins is something which is easier to manage, but what we miss out is the informal discussions, the chit-chat that uh, we used to have in, in, in the office uh, much easier than here. So I think it needs a conscious, deliberate effort to set up time for just giving a call to somebody uh, without any reason to have an official meeting or something. So, so just make sure that we don't miss out on the informal connect or a relationship with our, with our friends uh, and colleagues. That's number one. And number two, I think uh, it is very important to have a cutover 
in, in, in the work. In, in the beginning, it's the second week we are doing uh, work from home. In the first week, I think where I struggled the most is uh, that the work day was actually uh, never ending here. So having a hard stop uh, and then taking uh, time to unwind, start your family uh, time is extremely important, I think. Mm. Definitely. I think keeping those boundaries as well is, is, is super key. Uh, exactly. do, you have a, do you have a routine? Uh, and, and if so, what does that look like? I think, uh, yes, I, I, I certainly do. Uh, and it starts uh, with, uh, let's say the office routine starts with uh, basic check-ins uh, with, with the team. Uh, how are we doing today? What's the plan? Uh, discussions around some of the burning topics from uh, previous day or, 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 or anyway, the, the, the challenges that the teams are facing. Then discussing uh, the solutions, uh, if they need help, et cetera. Then certainly there are, the day is filled with some of the management meetings, some of the stakeholder meetings. Um, so I would say it's most of around the meetings, different stakeholders, our teams, uh, emails. But then what I try to do is uh, uh, block some time in the afternoon for reflection uh, and planning. So I have uh, daily one hour, one and a half hour of my own time where I get some time to reflect back on the planning on our strategy uh, on how things are and being able to make sure that it's not only just planning and execution planning and execution but we have enough time to reflect and being able to alter and tailor our plans i think that's a great approach uh, i'm just thinking out loud here but i would imagine that having that time to reflect gives you a chance to consolidate and and strategically think about all of the information that's hit you in the day uh, and you know exactly. make the right assumptions on it and also remember it as well at uh, its most basic level uh, throughout your career what's the best piece of advice you ever received i think one of my mentors once told me uh, that it is equally important to be aware of what is it that you will not do uh, in addition to what is it that you are doing so be always mindful of uh, saying no uh, and being always mindful of uh, getting rid, rid of things that are not really adding value and you are still doing them. Uh, I think that was really valuable in uh, prioritizing things properly. And what are you curious about right now? I would say quite a few things. Uh, but top of my mind, we have uh, developed some of uh, our new machine learning models. Uh, I'm curious to put them in production. The teams are working on them and start seeing uh, the results. That's one. Then uh, related to this uh, coronavirus, uh, in, in some of other mar- other mar- in, uh, our other markets for some of other diseases like uh, dengue and malaria, we have used aggregated mobility data uh, where you are actually looking at aggregated travel patterns to see the spread and predict the spread before it happens. Uh, and the idea is not to be able to look at an individual, but then a group of people not under, for example, 50, so you can't actually isolate an individual person, you maintain the privacy, but you see blocks of people who move because these uh, diseases actually spread with people movement. So I'm actually curious to know if we can do the same uh, for uh, for coronavirus. And uh, we are actually having multiple initiatives in most in some of our operating companies. So I'm curious to see the results of this. It sounds, uh, sounds like we can learn a lot. 
who is your favorite thought leader or author or influencer in the, the data analytics space? I would say uh, not necessarily in, in data and analytics space, but I, uh, I follow uh, Simon Sinek a lot, primarily for his uh, well thought out research and his views on modern day leadership challenges. So I think uh, that's very close to my heart uh, that I would recommend. And do you have a favorite quote, whether it's by Simon Sinek or someone else? Uh, I, it's not by Simon. Uh, I would say uh, my favorite quote is, uh, goes back to Socrates. When he says that uh, true knowledge exists in knowing that you know nothing. I think what this points out to a very important trait uh, of leadership uh, is to be humble that allows you uh, to be a good listener and listen to others that helps us uh, in, le- in learning from everything, successes, failures, just having a cup of tea with a colleague. Everyone can teach you a lot uh, as long as we stay humble. Stay humble. Very good, very good advice. And what other advice would you give for aspiring leaders in data and analytics? Um, I would then re-emphasize on this fact that uh, as leaders, uh, when you are setting up your execution strategies, your plans, do not get carried away by tech alone. Be always responsible for creating an impact and an outcome from what you are doing. Uh, I have seen uh, young leaders actually focusing a lot on the outputs and you know, the, the tech part and the cloud and so many other things, but then what business impact it produces. That not only just creates more value for the company, but helps you in having a much bigger impact and create a much larger engagement with the top management and the whole stakeholders across your company. So always keep a focus on the purpose. Very concise advice from Sami Udin Ahmed from Telenor Sweden. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me here. Thank you.